Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Tuesday evening, and I'm going to take a look at the Parsha. Which is being sponsored this week by Shmuel Charloff, I think in Lakewood, in memory of his father, Yigasiel, who he writes to me was a Talmud of Migdor Miller. Look at that. Migdor Miller transformed my father from a person whose Jewish education consisted of just bar mitzvah lessons to finishing shots. He learned every day, often being the last one to leave the show 11 in the evening. Whoa. And spent his vacation time learning more. So that means Migdor Miller bit him and he went mad. You know, that's a. Uh, Rabbi Miller made a lot of people like that. I myself know one or two in Baltimore. Or his father, whatever. <coughs> Lenny's father, whatever. That, you know, he had that uh, powerful personality. And the people that he touched, you know, came learning, learning, learning. And that is true. The late Rabbi uh, Victor Miller. I really, I don't like his, his scuff on the Holocaust. But you can't deny that, you know, he had this magnetic... A personality that turned the people off into learning. Because I'll say again, I know a couple of people that became like that. There's a guy I know who didn't know anything, and by the time he finished, he was learning Victor Miller every day. I think on tour, Evan Ezer with the Beis Yosef and the Bach is unbelievable. <clears throat> okay, so I pay tribute to his memory again to Shmuel Charlov. And now let's take a look at Akev, which I see uh, show you something very unusual from the Nitziv, who is a very unusual. Farish, as we'll see in a second. <laughs> the problem is, and I just noticed this every year, I sort of more or less notice it. Rashi calls attention to it. In the middle of the narrative, Moshe seems to deviate from the regular because he's going up and down telling the stories, you know, of his life and his connection and his relationship with the Jews. And he's giving a muster and he's going more. And in Akiv over here, let me find the place. He's talking about the fact that he did a golden calf. As uh, we all know. And um, let's see over here. And in Ravi, he tells about the story. This is really where we get the story of the 40, 40, and 40 that I always talk about. It's uh, 40 days <clears throat> from the pronouncement of the Ten Commandments till the getting of the tablets. And on the same day, they made a golden calf. At that point, God wants to destroy the Jewish people. And there's another 40 days, Moshe go up there in Davin. But it's not Paul of Nei Hashem, uh, you know, it's in this week's Parsha. Uh, to calm God down, so to speak, and not kill the Jews. And then another 40 days, which takes you from the month, beginning of month El to Yom Kippur <coughs> to totally forgive the Jews. That's what we call Yom Kippurim. And then he gave them <coughs> second tablets, which are described <coughs> over here, right? And Moshe Benin wrote the second tablets. And then he says, They came down from the mountain. <coughs> Meaning, they came down from the mountain after the 120 days are over, after Yom Kippur. And I put the new tablets, the second Luchas, in the box, in the arm. 
And that's where they remain. Now, we could even dig Zechunda, but I'm not going to. Um, and then, so he's talking about an event that happened, as you and I know, in the first year, the first six months or so, of the exodus of Egypt, correct? He left Egypt, obviously, on Pesach. And uh, what do you call it? They, they left Egypt on Pesach. And they, um, as you know, uh, got to Shavuos, you know, 49 days later and so forth. And then, as we know, was the Golden Calf episode, <coughs> which takes him to Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippurim is not quite six months after he sees Mitzrayim. That's the story he's telling. I came down from the mountain, I put the new hooks in the oren, <coughs> and they were there. The next passage, Umnei Yisrael Nosu, Mibbeiris B'nei Yaakov, Mosera Shom Meis Arambay Kabe Shom Meikar What just happened? He just stumped 40 years, <coughs> right? The Bnei Yisrael went to a certain place and Aaron died and so on. Wait a minute. <coughs> you were giving me a narrative and you're talking about the Golden Cave episode and what went wrong there. And then you switch all of a sudden to the Masos, which are in the last years, the last year, and Aaron dies in the middle. <coughs> not only that, but the Masos don't work out themselves. Now, this is not my Indian. They already noticed this to Chazal long ago. Rashi quotes from the Medrash, from the Sifri, I believe, where he says, <coughs> The Jews went from Be'eris B'nei Yakon, the wells of B'nei Yakon, to Moser. Ma'inyan Zelikon, says Rashi, is a non-secretary. In other words, this is what happened with George Washington, and this is what happened with John Adams, and this is what happened with Jefferson. And now let me tell you something about Obama. You just skipped a couple hundred years. What happened? Yeah, like, <clears throat> where's the, it's a non-sequitur. Second of all, the the facts are wrong. Because <clears throat> the Jews went from point A to point B, from Be'eris B'neyakov to Moser. It's not true. Halomim Moser, Baltimore the other way around. They didn't go from Baltimore to New York, they went from New York to Baltimore. So what are you telling me? <clears throat> now, obviously, a Bible critic will have a field day with this. But, oh, Sham Mace Aaron? <clears throat> they went to Meir's Meneyakon and Aaron died there? They cover Sham? That's not where Aaron died. You and I know that. Um, Aaron died Bahara Harmace. So, oh my, <clears throat> this is a, a very strong shot question. It's a non sequitur and the facts are wrong. And so Rashi famously, it's not, again, it's not Rashi. <clears throat> He's quoting the Sifri, I believe, if I remember correctly. Says that. <clears throat> This has to be read midrashically, which is one way <coughs> of dealing with textual problems. It's not the only way, as we shall see. It's one way. And therefore, <coughs> Rashi says that what happened is, <coughs> he's referring to an incident which is not mentioned in the Chumash at all. But this is what Moshe is mentioning now, and it's a gigantic episode, just as tantalizing we don't know the facts. Say, Chashov, Timsa Shunam, Mimusiris Laharhar. The whole speech is part of Moshe blasting the Jews. <clears throat> Meaning, when he said, B'nei Yisrael Nosu, me this point to that point, and Aaron died, Ozos Asisim, you made a terrible mistake, sin, Kishemes Aaron Bohar Har, Lusofar Boim Shona, when Aaron died, B'nestalko Anonia Kabrash, he says, and the clouds went away, Yerasim Achemis Melch Arad, you panicked from the war that was around the corner there, 
with the Kanani Melcharot, and the Satim Rosh Lachim Mitzrayim. And you appointed a new leader, not me, Moses, another guy. Now he doesn't say who it is. Okay? Does not say who it is. So this makes Korach look like a piker. Right? This makes Korach look like a a, a, a bump on the road. You appointed a new guy to reverse the direction of the Jews and march back to Egypt in the 40th year. <clears throat> We're not dealing now with the door of the golden calf. They all died. It's the 40th year. We're talking about the people who grew up under a from regime, but nevertheless, we're afraid of war, <clears throat> for whatever reason. And, and by the way, a war with a little princelet, with a little bupkis. Hakanani Melcharad, <clears throat> we've been in Israel. You know where Arad is. Not far, let's say, from Masada, roughly speaking. Even if you tell me it was a kingdom once upon a time, it was a, a pimple, you know what I mean? It wasn't a big kingdom. And if you tell me the king at that time was stronger, it wasn't that strong. It's a princelet, a kinglet, not a chicklet, a kinglet. And so this caused the Jewish people, 600,000, uh, to run away. <clears throat> it was like, like an anti-Semitic joke, you know. Goldberg, the unknown Jewish soldier, they all ran away. When and you march back to Egypt through ten stations. A Lemase Bene Israel. And you go from from point one to point two, point three. Here you went backwards. Okay? From Bene to Moser, that's why it's in reverse. So we don't know who this charismatic guy was who persuaded um who persuaded uh, many tribes. What was it? The Satomoshim Mitzrayimah. Maybe the whole Jewish people. I don't know. Don't say it. He says, Yeresim Mocham Sarod, V'nesatim Rosh Lachsim Mitzrayim, V'chazartim Lacharecha. So it's, it's unbelievable. So the only ones that stay with Moshe, I guess, according to this, were the hardcore. The Levim. Shom Nochem Mechem Bnei Levi, and Moshe, in the last year of his life, was Aaron now dead? I mean, this story makes the story of Balak like garnished, you know? It's much bigger. He had a bloody battle where the north killed the south and the south killed the north. Both sides went at each other. A killed B and B killed A. Until they prevailed and forced you back on the road. So when he says, the Bnei Yisrael Nosu, Bnei Yaakov, Mosera, even though it's going backwards, but it's referring to the forced return of the people after their attempt to run away. Boy, would we like to know the details of this. It's a sad episode. It's not the only sad episode in the Chumash. It's a sad business. Doesn't say anywhere in the Chumash, as you know. And it's teased out of this word over here. So, Sean Mace Aaron, what he's trying to say is like this. The death of Aaron was Gurim the whole business. <clears throat> it's a, something of a convoluted way, but the, you, midrashically you can do that. And the Ramban says something a little different, right? Uh, but, you know, if you're a push-up shot person, like what the heck just happened over here? It, it's not a push-up shot word at all. <clears throat> and may I say, who is it? Did it see actually says those words? It's not me talking. I felt that way by seeing the Nasib. He says, <clears throat> Chaimer Mikrazel Fiyapshat. 
This is a very hard thing to understand. Aspshat. And Rashi, Pirshal Piyam Hadrash, Mechilta, not in the Sifri. Chilta, Haramban, Kosim, Nispachim, Maisam, Moser, Shomnik, Nispachim, Hospito. Ramban gives another possible scenario. They made a Hespin for Aaron there. Well, Mayans and Lakal, it doesn't make sense. Flobir, Lono, Dabra, Miskabel. See that? So you don't give Rashi, Ramban, these other approaches. A Dabra, Hamiskabel. Now, what does the Nitzit mean like he's a from guy? He means if you're going Derek Hadrash, you can do that. But if you want to know Pasha of Shah, like what happened? Like who you say, what was the historical shot over here? It's nothing miscabel. No, this doesn't sound right. <coughs> Which is interesting that if he would say that. Now, uh, so according to him, what's the shot? <coughs> so here you come to the strange, unusual world of the original thoughts in the Nitzv, which are many. And the Nitzv lived in the 1800s and 19th century. Exactly at the time the Wissenschaft des Judentums was coming out, the beginnings of what we call modern Jewish history, which are almost all non from, in which they were trying to understand and get past the legends in their way of thinking, what really happened, whether it's biblical or Talmudic or anything in the Jewish history. Notice they're trying to be academic historians according to the latest style of science at that time, which was the early or middle, I should say, 19th century. Then it see there's not one of these guys like a Moses Mendelssohn or something like that, but rather he was, I think, he's well aware of the Haskola and, like I say, the Chachmas Yisrael movement, all which run from, he's quite aware of that. Now, remember, he was Rosh Hashiva, had all the smart guys. From the smart guys, you're going to have X number that are all the way on the left. And that's what happened. And the history uh, was very interesting, you know, to a lot of people. And make a long story short, you find that Nitzv works in his own mind, very often in his commentary in the Chumash, his own historical reconstruction of the way he thinks things were. And you can tell he's trying to be like an academic historian, but he ain't. Instead, he's a Torah academic historian, meaning to his own chadushim, to his own way of thinking, he envisions, imagines, uh, always with Araya, his understanding of the Jewish past way deep beneath the, the uh, superficial level, as he says it. But you have to buy into his anachas. Uh I have a friend or two that are good friends of mine. Whenever I hear a dry Torah from them, I always go, oh, yeah, yeah. But, and same to me, and vice versa, because their their stuff is very brilliant, but it's always based on a lot of anachas. So if you accept A, B, C, D, and A, F, and G, then it makes sense. But you have to sort of take that on Chachilo. Um, and Atsiv, of course, is a different universe. He was a God of Yisrael. But nevertheless, he has this style. <clears throat> and he was philosophical and historical in his way, not the academic way. And therefore, he's very chidistic, a very original thinker. And here's a case. Because then Atsiv is, constru- is confronted over here, like every Papyrus is, including Rashi. With the fact that it seems to be a non-secretary and is out of order and they're going backwards, like I said, they're not going from Baltimore to New York to go New York to Baltimore. Instead of stage one, two, and three, it's it's, it's the opposite, three, two, one, in terms of the Masos. And if you don't like the Michilta type of approach, there was a whole civil war that we know nothing about, which is like of huge importance and a whole other leader about Moshe Bela that we know nothing about. So then, what's going on? And here... 
the Nitziv relies on his own original Machshavas. And one of the themes you find in the writings of Nitziv in different places, <clears throat> and I'm not sure 100% why, I have a guess, is this difference between what he calls Eish and Dos. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and I did this once, I believe, in a podcast long ago, uh, I'll tell you the easy way. The long ways to read the Hakdama to the Hamek Shela, but on the Shultis or Bachayim, the short ways to get Zevin. And if you read Zevin's masterful essay in his Isha Mishitos, you'll see that he tries to summarize. Even he says it's a radical summary. This highly original way of thinking, in which he's machalik, as I say before, between two ways of approaching Torah. I'll read you the, the piece from Zevin. Nitzayin kan kitzer mena kitzer shal tamtus rosh yeprakam mehakta moser bishin lebrishis. Lebrishis. I'll give you a, a tiny fragment of, of his original approach to brishis. Shnei chalokam b'li mena You start with two dinim in learning. Not in the brisker way, in the in the historical, maybe I should say meta-historical way. Hukari is some esh v'dos. What's the difference? Halachas psukos, chatuchas v'ksivos, Clear halachas psukas, clear laws, is called dos. Hachakir vadrisha, masavamatan, but the lomdis. Now he means that we had a lomdis that one employs in order to try to figure out the halacha, legal thinking. That's esh. Kesh mislach is a common itzotas. Vamatarhi sha esh teschabrem adosh. Dos. And the ideal is when the esh and dos come together. That's why it's esh dos lama. What do you mean? Mitocha chakir vadrisha yivar maskanat shalacha. Through proper lomdis. Not improper lambdas, through what we call svar yishar, through good thinking, but then reasoning it through. In other words, if we say like this: good people, you get up asukashmaitz alibet hilchasa. Fuah hevdom and shifti levi huda, and in the mind and etziv, these two tribes represented these two ways of learning. That's who he's making a claim that thousands of years ago the levies were one type, and the yehudas were another. I'm not sure where you get it from. I mean, I know his rise, but you don't see any references openly. When it comes to Kohanim Malavim, Yoru Mishpatechel Yaakov. Right? What does that mean? So here he has something very original, and I've never 100% understood it, but it's like having, you would say, a sixth sense of what the din is. You can sort of intuit it and see through I guess a stroke of genius of some kind or another. As he puts over here, You just chop what the din is. It's a gift. And according to him, it was hereditary. For Yehuda, by contrast, the tribe of Judah, Mechokin ben Raglov, Hachakika of Hachatir, Vachafir, Bemke Yesodas, Kiyosha Sasol, Tamin Malkarka, Raglov. It's another way of learning that you do through Savara. You don't see what the answer is, but like a detective, you put Savara together, together, A leads to B, B leads to C. Sometimes there's a couple of false leads. Logic will eventually burn out the false leads, and you're Adam and Milsa and in a proper way, and maybe some trial and error, till finally you get to the real answer. As opposed to the other guy who just, boom, saw it right away. Right? You can see it like a flash of intuition, I suppose. But it's divinely granted intuition. And we're talking about the Nitzvah over here. Aren't these complex ideas? Asneel Bekinas, 
who shechs the Rebbe Shlomo Shnechmei El Shemoshe. They, you know, when Moshe died, they forgot all the So Sneil Kanas was machzin and pulpulo. What does that mean? Moshe was told by God, but if they're forgotten, how can it be retrieved through intensive intellectual detective work? That's what Sneil Kanas did, but pulpulo. Now he goes on in that. As I say, I don't want to take up too much time. If you're interested in what I'm talking about, you'll get a hold of the uh, Zevin book, Isha Bishitas, which is a masterpiece. Everybody should have it. Um, and you'll read his essay on the Nitziv, this on page Yudalf. If you're interested, in, you'll follow it up. Now, this is what he said when he wrote the uh, Hamid Shela early on in his life, but, uh, which in the Shultz of Bechay. However, the Chumash stuff he came later in life, and he seems to have matured it or refined it. As far as I can tell, on the passage that we're talking about today, and a few other places, to Moshe versus Aaron, which is just a very interesting idea. I don't know where he gets it from exactly. Interesting idea. Moshe represents, I guess you'd say, Aish, and Aaron represents Dos. According to him, Aaron was perhaps we would use the term a more impressive posek than Moshe in his way. And therefore the death of Aaron deprived the Jews of that. Listen, had it see, um, I'm, I'm just sharing the, the, the basic part of it here. Right? He said, Lo beer lo dover I can't figure out a good shot. Avokvar b'yarnu, but if you look elsewhere in my Chumash commentary, then it says, that back in the time of the desert, there wasn't one head of the Sanhedrin, but two, even though you're supposed to have one. And the two the two who had the Sanhedrin was Moshe and Aaron. If you want to know where they get these ideas from, it says by the Makoshi Shetzim is they brought them to Moshe and Aaron. And the rabbinic tradition is they brought them to a Sanhedrin. And the question is, how can you have two brothers on Sanhedrin? And that generates all this talk. Not going to that. Now, there are two guys in charge of Sanhedrin, and their approach was different. Moshe Rabbeinu, of one of If Moshe was asked a question, for example, no which God had not told him, which means Hashem didn't tell him everything, just like the Rambam, he told him the basics, and the rest you have to figure out yourself. Lahalos. So what Moshe would do. Isn't interesting? Moshe would have to sit down and seriously work this through the way, as I said, a, a great legal theorist or, or a detective would do. Piece by piece, pilbo by pilbo, sfor yishar, A leads to B, B leads to C, C leads to D, and so forth. On the other end, Aram, I was the other type. He was like what we call Dos. Koko Rav B'svar. He had a very powerful Svar, more than Moshe. Isn't that interesting? More than, now, mind you, Moshe got it from God and Aaron didn't. But if you're talking about the power of reasoning, that of Aaron was more powerful than a Moshe. And therefore, he could be a Mora Horob in a way that Moshe could. So if a complex question came to Aaron or two litigants, Aaron could see through them in a minute and know who's the phony who's not. Or if he's asking a brand new din, 
to use a modern terminology, is electricity, fire, or not. <coughs> no, brand new didn't. Aaron would see it in a second. And Moshe would have to figure it out. They would both end up with the same answer in the end, but it would be a different style. For lo, and to him, this was a gift. He was gifted by God. And indeed, uh, he talks about this in Tetzava, because after all, when you get to Tetzava, you have, you know, Truma, Tetzava, Kisisa, so in Truma, they have all this stuff in the Mishkan, and in a lot of Tetzava also, but in the middle, all of a sudden, you have the commissioning of Aaron and his children, and what's that got to do with anything? And that lead didn't seem to formulate this kind of business over here. And again, the language in, in Tetzava is very interesting. The <laughs> Even though Aaron was dependent on what God told Moshe, not Aaron, you know, 99.9% of the time, Hashem spoke to Moshe, not to Aaron. <laughs> but the Nitziv asserts, once Aaron did hear it, right? then he, he was on his own and he owned it, and he didn't need any pilpulim and all the rest of it. And he was equal to Moshe. So Moshe is always uh, ahead of Aaron because Hashem spoke to him. So he got it straight from Hashem. But once it's out there, it's like a book. I could write the book and you could read it, you could be smarter than me and understand stuff better. Which is interesting. So this is in I'm sharing with you today like an achieve type universe of thinking. That they had a different style. The Koch Moshe Yenala Bakoch Hapilpul Lachadish Dabamash Shomav Kabo, Aidea Hechach Hapilpul, that Moshe had the power of Lomdus and Pilpul to figure the stuff out that he didn't hear directly from God, and he brings certain rise for it. But Aaron Hoyenala Bakoch Aswara, Zambas Milsa Milsa Lachamanemis. Okay? And he goes on about this. Now, it's not 100% clear to me because either way, the, the pilpo and all the rest of it is being Madame and Milsa and Milsa. I mean, that is how every jurist in the world operates. When you have a new case, the same Supreme Court in the United States or anybody else, if there's a new court not covered by a statute, you have to use the old stuff and argue for analogies. That's what legal thinking is about. You can have two judges disagreeing on the analogies. That happens all the time. And there are you know, two sides to it. Is abortion murder or is that not murder? You know, you can have different opinions. But um, here, we're, we're, somehow or other, Aaron just had that gift that all of a sudden he sees to the heart of the problem and can come with the right solution, uh, which is just interesting. Now, where is he going with this? When Aaron dies, and again, the Pasuk is Moshe complaining about the death of Aaron. Sham makes Aaron by cover Sham. Okay? So, um, what he's saying is, Ubiyosim b'Mosera, v'Spido Zara. So, if Aaron died and they were in Mosei, what happens? And they give, they give him a hesped, and that's the Ramban's approach. That he died in one place, they had the hesped elsewhere. Sham his bonino. It dawned on them, as we would say today. They began to think clearly, uh, uh, thoroughly. Sham his bonino. Kilo hinich kamosa macham nara l'shal shamit the terrible ishum pilgachira. They realized the full loss of Aaron. 
he left no successor. There was nobody could do what he could do. Just a flash of insight to hop and get it correctly. And that's why they were in mourning. Okay? And um, and he even says Aaron's children were not Aaron. They they learned the Moshe style. They were to Lombus and all the rest of it. And from that point on, there weren't two heads of Sanhedrin. But rather, it was Moshe and then his successors, all of whom followed his way. Veshum lo hoyu Sanhedris. Venim serbosa mokum derech lahoris al hakira kol efsher. Okay? See, once a taina, Mosera means from now on the Torah is Nimsar, is handed over in the Moses style, which is why it says Moshe Kibble Tarmisina Mosar Li Yeshua. The Moshe just got it and handed it to Yeshua, not through the Kaychaswar or anything like that, but rather it was through a Mosera type situation. Now these are complicated and complex thoughts, right? It's a, it's a whole binion. And it's his way of trying to explain that, you know, we uh, made the golden calf and all the rest of it, and then we made the second tablets, and then he, this apparently led Moshe to start thinking, is that, you know, uh, and I don't have iron anymore, because the Jews went to a certain place, Mosera, where, in other words, the death of iron, Shammes Aaron, left us with a big hole in our Torah knowledge, and uh, even if Elazar took over, but he's Elazar is my student, not Aaron's. Aaron had it died with him. Uh, now apparently not, because elsewhere, the Nasiv says you have certain people like the Levies, they just have this power. I think that's just a total guess on my part. That's I think that the Nasiv comes to this conclusion living in 19th century Russia, Lithuania, Belarus. I was in Belarus. I saw it. Uh, you have two types. What we call today the Pisic and the, the, the London. There's a classic story that Zavin brings involving who was a musical on the spectrum on one hand of Chaim Briscoe and the other. <laughs> a very famous story. And that Rechaim um, sent him a Shaila and Yitzchak sent him back the answer with, the, with his reasoning behind it. If you've ever seen any of his chubas, they're full of lumbus. Of his own style. They're full of, you know, uh, token and bakias and this and that and, uh, and swars. And the story is, the Chaim Zelig is, don't show me your reasoning. I'll slug it up. I want to hear your psaq because I know you're the place that got dark there for you have to see out the Dishmaya. And I'm going with what you poskim. Now, it's not exactly the same thing I just described, but it's, it smells of it, smacks of it. That there are two types out there. The Lamdan on the one hand, and the Pesach on the other. Everybody knows that when you study Halacha, or you, you follow Sugi all the way through, there may be a Sparta that doesn't make any sense to you, or doesn't seem like the one that should prevail of the different competing Sparta in the Talmudic discussion. It don't matter. Because you see, this the one that they were trying to pick up, and then you just trace it down the centuries, and that becomes the Sparta you go with. You understand? Uh, even though if I asked you as a regular student, here's far A and far B, let's say for argument's sake, it's a Machlokasim Rav Shmuel or a Bayan Rav or something like that. You might say, you know, I like the Abayah, Svar makes more sense to me. But as you go down, you see the Rambam, the Torah, the Shulchan Aruch, and so forth, it don't matter because it all goes to Rav. Or the other way, it doesn't matter. So there's that kind of thinking, the Pesach, as it were. And then there's the Lamdin, who was just on his own, would come up with a different thing. Because 
he's working on Piderka Chakir Vadrush. Not a Jewish, a Chakir Valpilpo Vachidish. That's his language. Again, I think that Nitziv surveyed his world and he knew there were the Yitzhakon Spectre types to use one example. I mean, I'm just picking him as an example. And then there were the big Lamdan types, were more in the theoretical. You understand? I would even possibly guess that the Nitziv himself um, was interesting because he wore two hats. Everybody knows that he was the, was the Rosh Yeshiva of the Velozhny Yeshiva, which was number one Yeshiva for decades. Now, of course, that's true. And he ran the Yeshiva and so forth. That was his life. However, he also was the chief rabbi of the town of Velozhny. He was the Abbas in there. So he ran the, 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 the rabbinical functions of the community, and he ran the basin in the community. And so here's a guy wearing two hats. You understand? He was he was the 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 rov of the town of Voloshin, and also the Rosh Hashiva that was located there. And believe me, he didn't get along so well with the Balabat. There are many famous stories about that. But now's not time to go into that. And so wearing two hats, I suspect, it's just a guess on my part, I suspect that when he approached something of Shiloh in the town wearing the rabbi hat, he saw it in one way. You know, the Asukush Maitzaliba held us away or something like that. But when he was in Yeshiva and learning with the boys possibly that same sugya, he saw a lot of different ways of, of doing it. And he saw the what he calls the Aish way, not just the Dos way. The Moshe way and not just the Aaron way. Uh, I see I've gone very long over here. So, if you're interested in what I'm saying over here, check out the, uh, you know, the Hamik Dover, the that's even this week's Parsha. And then you have to see, go down and look at some of his other sources that he that he locates over there. Um, to say that this is a Pashib shot, remember he said, I don't like Rashi because it's not Mizkabal Adas. It's Pashib if you accept all these Hanukkahs. They're highly original. They're an attempt to really give a sophisticated underpinning understanding of who Moshe was and who Aaron was, much more than we ordinarily think. That Moshe was this type of guy and Aaron was that type of guy. But um, you see, he's really uh, struggling, I mean, in the best sense, of course, uh, with the how to understand what were the roles of Moshe and Aaron, these two seminal figures. Um, and to him, it's not just simply the easy way, which you find in all these drushy, wushy, bushy books, you know, that Moshe was the... Uh, Tough guy and Aaron was the nice guy. Aaron was the, uh, you know, Oib Shalom Karmel Torah. That's like I say, nice for speeches. It's true. <laughs> it can be true, but that's the way usually you see these things emphasized. And here comes along to the team and says, "No, that's not the point." I mean, maybe so. They have two different kaiches and Torah, two different uh, talents, uh, two different predispositions, even though they were brothers, right? But Moshe had his upbringing. Now, as it is, I'll bring him. It will be fascinating for us to know, and we never will know. You know, how did Moshe grow up in learnings, quote unquote? Had Aaron. Aaron grew up as a as a lady, living in a Jewish environment, taught obviously by his father and those types. Moshe, we don't know exactly how it worked out. He was a prince of Egypt. Did he have a seder on the side? <laughs> who who can tell? Um, difference highly suggestive. Anyway. I think that's an interesting point, but I don't want to go too long on this thing. That's I always try to keep within a reasonable bounds. So, once again, 
if you're interested, you'll take a look at this part of the uh, of the parsha. I want to thank Sam Charla for um, uh, sponsoring this and in a uh, tribute to the memory of his father. I think the art set he told me was Friday, this coming Friday. Shalom Shabbat Aliyah, and I bid you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.